Did you ever stop to think about the many different kinds of living things there are in the world about us? There are plants and animals on the land, in the air, and in the water. These living things are very different in appearance. A tree, for instance, is very different from a bird. And a bird is quite different from another as a dog. These boys are quite different in appearance from the frog they have just caught. Yet all these things are alike in one way. They are all living. Perhaps they are alike in other ways, too. One way to find out more about living things is to look at them with a microscope. I need an analysis of this blood sample I'm sending you. Wait a minute. First, we peel off a thin piece of the onion and put it on a glass slide. I need a midichlorine count. A drop of water keeps the onion from drying out. The reading's off the chart. Over 20,000. Even Master Yoda doesn't have a midichlorine count that high. No Jedi has. What does that mean? These are living cells, each one about a hundredth of an inch long. Jason and it's Gabe and we're back we took a week off there for Thanksgiving and we've had a week or so to think about what the heck are midichlorians because this week is all about that immortal question what the heck are midichlorians I think about them all the time as most as most people do it's it's really it's really hard not to. Where here's the deal: I personally have never had a problem with midichlorians. There are some people that as soon as the midichlorians thing came on, it ruined their whole prequel. They're like, I can't, I can't do this. I don't, I don't why I can't, I can't handle it. I've always just been like, listen, whatever. But then also. I kind of felt bad because it was like one of those things that like came up in Phantom Menace and then we didn't really hear about it again for a long time. And I was kind of like, Oh man, is that something? Is it anything? But the midichlorian thing, I think just keeps getting more and more interesting. And what really turned the page is an article that JW Rinsler wrote for starwars.com June 24th, 2013 titled, what the heck are midichlorians? Ten years ago. Oh my god, yeah. Over ten years ago. Yeah. Which which is crazy on its own. But yeah, I think that was one of those things with, with the midichlorians. It's like, yeah, it never bothered me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, there, there's, there's things in the cells. All right. But I guess I understand where some of the people that it really bothered just were confused by it. And because what's crazy to think about, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be crazy, but like, there's a lot of people who only watched episode one one time. <laughs> what a peaceful existence that would be! Yeah, right. Like, like they went inside once, and they're like, "Okay, I'm kind of done with that." And there's a lot in that movie to absorb in just that one time. So, I guess I understand. Like, maybe the maybe the midichlorians part didn't make sense to you. So it was wonderful that that Rinsler put this article out. 
I would love to hear from people who like did normal human things in the summer of 1999. Went on vacations, went to the beach, spent time with their family or did something. Cause literally what I, it's like, what'd you do in the summer? I, I can't remember what I did last summer, like months ago, but like I can remember the summer of 1999. I was going to Phantom Menace once a week and I was loving it. I was happy. <laughs> I was very happy, but that I, I totally recognize that that's not normal. Yeah, because it's like, oh, don't worry, you know, the fifth or sixth time in, midi chlorians make perfect sense. <laughs> people are just staring at you. What? I remember that summer, people really being like, you just went last week. Why are you going again? Didn't you go three times the night it opened? Yes. I keep thinking of new things. And then I go on the message boards and I think of more things. And then I got to go again. Yeah, the midichlorians are one of them because it was a hot topic in the summer of 1999. Everyone was just like, it ruins the force. It's this, it's that. And people were like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's just cells in Anakin's blood and stuff. It's, it's, who cares? Again, you know, we say it, I think we mentioned J.W. Rensler. Every single week. And before we go further, we just got to say that, like, this episode, like, is 100% inspired by J.W. Rinsler. And I think without the late, great J.W. Rinsler, who blessed us with being on our show, putting up with us and laughing at us many times, I think without him and his books and everything he did, we would have nothing to talk about. We would just, we'd maybe still be talking about episodes of Starcade. And Dorothy, maybe. Yeah, because he did so much for, like, giving everybody, like, the information they so desired, right? Of, like, combing through all of this different things and interviews and putting it in a in a way that was fun to read and very informative. And, yeah, it's definitely, if you've been listening to the show a while, we're always going back to his books because that's, that's where the meat is. And this little bonus StarWars.com article is just perfect because it's finding all the little bits of things that Lucas had said about the Force over the years and finding the important parts that make midichlorians not really maybe seem as out there and crazy as you think they are. It's just another layer to the ordinary George Lucas craziness. It's nothing... It's nothing out of the ordinary for Madman George Lucas. And real, you know, the thing for me with midichlorians, where really I was like, aha, and I, I went back and I watched it, and maybe it makes sense, maybe it doesn't, but it was the Clone Wars Season 6, Episode 11, Voices, where Yoda goes to Dagobah, and he's following the floating balls of light, Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon is breaking down the living force, the cosmic force, and the role the midichlorians play into all of that. How are you here? I am a manifestation of the force. A force that consists of two parts. Living beings generate the living force, which in turn powers the wellspring that is the cosmic force. Show yourself. Can you? I cannot. My training was incomplete. All energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic force, binding everything and communicating to us through the midichlorians. Because of this, I can speak to you now. I've told the story a million times that when the Clone Wars came on Netflix, and they they came on with that season, that's where I really started watching the show. Like I hadn't really watched a whole lot of Clone Wars since the movie. And I tried watching the Mortis episodes because they said Qui-Gon was going to be in them. <laughs> it was kind of great turning on the Mortis episodes and be like, I don't know what the heck is going on here. <laughs> but when I watched this Yoda arc, I was like, this is incredible. And that's what sold me on the whole Clone Wars series. That, that Yoda arc is still incredible. But, that one little moment with uh, floating balls of like Qui-Gon, I was just like, this all is making so much sense to me. Was that the first time midichlorians have been brought up in 
Star Wars stuff since The Phantom Menace? Yeah, so I think that was the first actual Star Wars thing where they talk about midichlorians again. Because that episode was in 2014, which is crazy to think that that's a year after this article came out. So it's almost like this article came out to remind people that midichlorians are a thing and they're they're totally cool to get you ready for the next Clone Wars season where they're going to bring it back. Like maybe the comics got into it, but I, I don't know. But yeah, this kind of was like, hey, it's only been 15 years. Midichlorians are back. Let's, let's have a party. But yeah, I think the thing, and we're going to get into this as we, as we talk more about the long and crazy history of midichlorians and, and all the different stuff Lucas has said. It's like when we was reading a bunch of stuff to get ready for this episode, it's like we said, I think George Lucas is just really into cells and the science of cells. Well, and it, all that's kind of interesting from the fact that on one hand, it yeah, it seems like the science part of Lucas's brain that was really into anthropology and eventually, yeah, just got into how, you know, the world's full of people, but people are full of bacteria and bacteria have cells and everyone has cells and all that stuff. There's just that part of it. But then there's also like, telling the story of Phantom Menace and like the quickest way to let people know that how Anakin is at that moment. And then there's like the future potential of who Anakin could be like the simplest way to just explain that to people is like, there's just, he has a really big number. <laughs> His number is bigger than everybody else's, you know, it, with everything going on in Phantom Menace and that movie, just throwing so much stuff at you. Like on one hand, that should be almost like the clearest thing in the movie is like, hey, there's this new thing. Anakin has a number that's higher than everyone else. So that's why they're freaking out. And then moving on, like even if it never became more of a thing, like it is just for the sake of Phantom Menace, a quick way to let you know that Anakin is is special. Every living thing has cells and the force flows through every living thing and so it's it's not that crazy to yeah to put in like this concept of like there's midichlorians in your cells that help you communicate through the force and maybe that was the thing that it was like you said and with phantom menace when you're sitting there in the theater in 1999 there was a lot of new information thrown at you that's why we had to keep going to see it over and over again. That's why we're still talking about it right now. That's why it's still so such a fascinating movie. And a lot of that new stuff in The Phantom Menace, we're still kind of digesting. It still hasn't gone down yet. Well, and the reason it makes sense to bring up as a new thing in that movie is it it's so tied to kind of one of the overall themes in that movie, which is the whole like symbiotic relationships and that the Naboo people can't ignore the Gungans and the Gungans can't ignore the Naboo people because what, you know, they're, they live on the same planet. They're all ultimately going to have the same fate. And it's just another layer to that where, you know, in all people are tied together because inside of people are cells and inside of cells is this whole nother race of little, beings that speak to the force and just this whole you know layers and layers of just how interdependent and interrelated everything is which seems like not too far off from just a vague concept of of the force it's just another layer to it it's like shmi says the biggest problem in the universe is that nobody helps each other so <laughs> she's telling anyone who will listen and that's what jw rinsler was trying to help people and June 24th, 2013, is trying to, hey, hey, don't get so mad about midichlorians. Like, let's all just step back and think about this whole crazy thing. He was trying to help everybody, and now we're trying to help people. We're trying to just do right by Shmi Skywalker. That's what's going on here. Don't If you can't do it for you and you can't do it for me, you got to do it for Shmi. <laughs>
ロースに調和をもたらす者が出てくるという予言は聞いたがそれがこの少年なのか彼には予知能力があるお役に立てます彼のフォースは尋常ではないこの子の定めですから荒木パスを命じろまたママに会えるあなたの心に聞いて本当にいいの見ず知らずの子供に運命を委ねてアナキンスカイウォーカーこちらがオビアンケノービだ大きな恐れを感じるわあの少年は危険です誰もがそう感じているのになぜ恐れは闇の世界への通り道じゃ恐れは怒りに怒りは憎しみ憎しみは苦痛に通じていく Let's, let's start getting crazy here. So, what are midi chlorians? First of all, let's let、uh, Jedi Master Qui Gon Jinn explain it to us all, like he did Anakin on that beautiful balcony. Midi chlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside your cells, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts? Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. I don't understand. With time and training, Annie, you will. You will. Okay, so life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midi chlorians, life could not exist. We would have no knowledge of the force. We are symbionts with the midi chlorians. Life forms living together for mutual advantage, which is, comes up multiple times in Phantom Menace in multiple scenarios. Which again, it's all about working together. Biggest problem in the universe nobody helps each other. Well, I think what's kind of fun going back to this too is like, This is the kind of stuff if, like, George Lucas and James Cameron are hanging out. This is the kind of stuff they're talking about. Because this, like, the whole kind of midi chlorians kind of is how Avatar works, where it's this, it's mystical, but it's also science. And it's like figuring out a scientific way to make this mystical stuff work. And it's, I don't know, it's just like what those guys are into. And it's cool. It's like, you know, why not? Why not build off of it a little bit and, and kind of, you know, it's almost like making a, a science mythology kind of a thing. Both those guys, that's what they do for a living. You know, if you want to like a real world thought of it, like they think of this far out mystical stuff and then they're like, well, I actually have to make this or I have to hire people and explain my ideas, but we have to take this far out idea and make it real. Well, and it's like, you know, if you go back to, you know, just the, the concept of the force in general of it being like, hey, this kind of, it's like a, it's like religion stripped down to something that everybody in the world can, can relate to and, you know, a higher power at its most basic. And this is just, you know, kind of adding on to it and, and giving it this other level of like how it could actually, Function in the real world. Like it's still this mystical energy force, but it's like, well, how do you hear it speaking to you? Well, because there's literally millions of little creatures that live in you. Like that's, I don't know, that's just, that sounds like wild Star Wars stuff to me. When I think that's why people freaked out because, you know, and that, that I think this is maybe a different topic for a different time, but I think a lot of the attitude going into Phantom Menace with fans of a certain age was they just wanted the familiar and everything that they knew again. And I you know I, for one, loved that sitting down in the theater it was just like, there's what you liked about Star Wars, but I'm the guy that made it. That was what, <laughs> what George Lucas was saying, and I'm going to do something crazy with it. Yeah. 
And I loved that. I loved the sitting down and being like, whoa, this is new. This is different. I wasn't expecting this and I love it. Like, where are we going? Because this is crazy. Well, the other thing with it that's that's kind of cool, if you think of it, you know, kind of in the universe as well, is like regular people in the galaxy who kind of know what Jedi are, they might know what the force is, but they're not they don't care about midi chlorians. But if you're a Jedi and like your whole life is just like, I'm a Jedi, I'm all about the force, I'm all about studying, they're gonna be all over this kind of stuff because it's like that's the kind of stuff Jedi are into, right? Like they're a lot of they they want to know how this stuff works and they want to have a way to, you know, there's probably like books in the archives of about midi chlorians and stuff. Like it just seems like that's stuff that Jedi are into. And it makes sense why it wouldn't be there. Like, you know, Obi-Wan's not going to talk about that to Luke. Luke doesn't care. He doesn't need to know that yet. But all the Jedi, like that's that's just what they're into. They're into Jedi stuff. But there's also the point of view, which I think is valid, that the Jedi in the prequel era, because they are concentrating on midichlorians and the science of the Force and breaking it down, like why are, do we have communication? Why do we have these powers? That someone could argue, and I think, again, I think it's valid, that the Jedi have lost sight of their original idea, I, ideals. Like when James Mangold's movie comes out about the first Jedi, will that have anything to do with midichlorians? Maybe, maybe not. When we have a movie about Rey rebuilding the Jedi Order, if that's even what she's doing, like what's Rey doing post episode nine? Is that going to have anything about midi? Does Rey know about midichlorians? Probably not. Is that in the the sacred Jedi text? So I, I could I could hear someone saying that the midichlorian things are the Jedi kind of looking in the wrong direction around the time of the prequel era. Yeah, which is kind of I don't know. It's kind of one of the cool things with it. Like it it could be that because it is very it's a very self focused thing where they're like they're focused on themselves. Like how do we work? Why are we so cool? Well, let's figure out this stuff and maybe. If that's the way it works, technically, it doesn't matter how it works because they should be focusing on other people in the galaxy and not themselves. It's like if somebody has to explain why they're cool, then they're not cool anymore. You're just cool. You don't hear Fonzie explaining why Fonzie's cool. But it is another reason where it's like it makes sense for this new thing to come up in the prequels because it fits the story from the perspective of the idea of symbiosis and all that. And it also fits the story for the idea of the Jedi kind of losing their way and being focused with their own business instead of the business of the rest of the galaxy or the people of the galaxy. So in Rinsler's article, he brings up some of the notes that George Lucas did with Phantom Menace novelization writer Terry Brooks, who at the time was getting ready to write his excellent Phantom Menace novelization. And this, like, where are these notes? This is great stuff. Because what Lucas is saying in Anakin's case, there are instead of two or three midichlorians in each cell, there's like a thousand. It's unbelievable how many how many midichlorians are in there. So what are they? Lucas kept talking, and he says, I'm assuming that the midichlorians are a race that everyone knows about in the world of Star Wars. The way you interact and interface with this larger energy field, the Force, is through the midichlorians, which are sensitive to the energy. They are the core of your life, which is the cell, the living cell. They are in a symbiotic relationship with the cell. And then because they're all interconnected as one, they can communicate with the larger Force field. That's how you deal with the Force. Imagine poor Terry Brooks sitting there... Yeah, because he gets like an hour to figure this stuff out where it sounds like Lucas has been thinking about this for a lot. (laughs) Or not, or he just (laughs) came up with it on the spot. That's why they paid me the big bucks. I just thought of that just right now. (laughs) Can you you write that back to me? Send send me my notes back. (laughs) I blacked out. I didn't even know what I said there. (laughs) Now, now, next up in the article, though, Rinsler, after these these 
talks with Terry Brooks. Renzo brings up an interesting point, right? Yeah, he he mentions that at least a few people felt that this negated the democratic aspect of the Force, despite the fact that in Return of the Jedi, the story and dialogue had already made it clear that the Force was, at least in some ways, hereditary. The film had lines such as, the Force is strong in my family, which Luke tells Leia. Which, yeah, bless you, Renzler, for bringing that up. Because nobody questioned, maybe people did, maybe people were like writing in the fanzines and stuff questioned that back in the summer of 1983. Because, yeah, before that, it, we did not have the whole, the Force's hereditary thing. Maybe people started to talk about that after The Empire Strikes Back. But people didn't even believe that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Yeah, like Renzer saying, really in Return of the Jedi and Luke saying the Force is strong in my family, it's like, oh, the Force can be passed down. Like traits that you give to your kids. Like, you know, dad was really good at playing piano. And, oh, my son is good at playing piano. That's weird. But I think some of that has given the whole, especially around the time of The Force Awakens, the whole concept that everyone has to be related to each other. And like, oh, you know, Ray's force ability is because she's Obi-Wan's kid or she's Palpatine's granddaughter or something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So, something crazy. She's Luke's kid. She's Obi-Wan's kid. She's everybody's kid. But that people kind of getting obsessed with that idea. And I remember like we were just like, she doesn't have to be, you know, but whatever. Well, and it's it's just interesting things about people and and that, you know, I'm sure a lot of the people who wanted Ray to be related to people are probably people who didn't like mini chlorians, even though it's all kind of the same thing. And it's like, there's, there's just, you know, sometimes people, even though that the end result is the same, like they don't want to know how it works and somehow knowing how it works ruins it, even though the end result is the same. Yeah. Cause Rinsler goes on to say, Indeed, until that line in the film, or perhaps we found out that Vader was Luke's father in Empire, yep, many viewers of the first film in 1977 might have entertained the possibility that he or she too could become a Jedi. After all, Ben Kenobi hadn't said that Luke needed any special abilities or blood testing when he asked him to start his training in Episode Four. Luke just needed to learn how to tap into the mystical energy field called the Force. Very true. But what we didn't know when the original film came out is that Obi-Wan already knew who Luke's parents were. <laughs> so it still kind of works, right? Like, he didn't need to tell him any of that stuff because he knew exactly who he was related to and knew exactly where Luke would be starting from. He knew Luke had that mighty Skywalker blood. <laughs> well, and then Rinsler goes on to say, that Lucas, even after the Empire Strikes Back, had a lot to say about this idea in the Return of the Jedi story conferences with Larry Kasdan and director Richard Marquand. And this is, they're hashing through the screenplay. This is in his Making of Return of the Jedi book. Anytime you get like these story conference parts in one of these books, it's always the wildest stuff like the the make in the making of the Indiana Jones book, the story conferences for Raiders, crazy stuff. <laughs> if you don't feel like reading anything else in those books, just skim through to those parts and at least read those. But this is pretty interesting, right? Like Kasdan is asking just flat out, is the force available to anyone who can hook into it? Because And Lucas re responds that, yes, everybody can do it. And then Kasdan says, not, not just the Jedi. Yeah, and Lucas says, it's just the Jedi who take the time to do it. And then Marquand jumps in, they use it as a technique, and then it gets crazy, and Lucas says, like yoga, if you want to take the time to do it, you can do it, but the ones that really want to do it are the ones who are into that kind of thing, also like karate. <laughs> Maybe, is George Lucas thinking about doing karate around this period of time? <sighs> Maybe he was doing yoga and karate. Oh, He was like Street Fighter before it was a thing. He was Dalsim and Ken and Ryu all together. I like after that, Lucas keeps on going where he says, also another misconception is that Yoda teach, teaches Jedi, but he is like a guru. He doesn't go out and fight anybody. Eh. <laughs> yeah. And then Kazdin says, 
A Jedi Master is a Jedi, isn't he? Kazan's totally confused at this point. And Lucas says, well, he's a teacher, not a real Jedi. And then Lucas says, understand that? (laughs) I like Kazan, though. He says, I understand what you're saying, but I can't believe it. I'm in shock. (laughs) Things change. (laughs) Right? And again, Phantom Menace the whole point of Phantom Menace is you can't you can't stop the change. Things are always changing. You got to roll with it, which is true in Star Wars and in the real world making of Star Wars. It's always always in motion. You can't stop the suns from setting, and you can't stop George Lucas from changing what he said. Which brings us to our next big point. Now, again, now Rinsler is is referencing the the wonderful the making of Star Wars, the making of A New Hope. At the the end of that book, right, in the digital edition, there's stuff that they that Rinsler included that Lucas wrote after Star Wars had come out as kind of like a guideline for what eventually would become the expanded universe. And there's a part in there where Lucas is explaining the Force. And there's, there's what's in... Rinsler's book. There's what Lucas really said. I'm slaughtering how to explain this, right? Basically, there is the original paragraph that was written in 77, and it was printed in the making of book, but it was printed in the making of book with an extra little half a sentence that Lucas had him add in... 2000 whenever when that book was being written and that's probably one of the most fascinating things about this starwars.com article is rinsler's kind of giving away the secret here that lucas had him add stuff to the original information to kind of match where his head is in the present but if you didn't read this starwars.com article you would think that it was always there. And I remember reading that paragraph when the book came out and thinking, wait, this is crazy. He's been talking about midichlorians since 77. And I think we probably were texting each other about that. Yeah. I remember reading that too and being like, whoa, yeah. Midichlorians were a a thing he thought of back in like the early, early days. Old J.W. Rinsler spilling the beans, doesn't care, and is just like, yeah, he had me add that in <laughs> 2000 whatever. So Lucas's quote is pretty cool, though. It's like the Force is really a way of seeing. It's a way of being with life. It has nothing to do with weapons. The Force gives you the power to have extrasensory perception and to be able to see things and hear things and read minds and levitate things. It's said that th- this is where we- – pay attention to this part here – It's said that certain creatures are born with a higher awareness of force than humans. Their brains are different. The force is a perception of the reality that exists around you. You have to come to learn it. It's not something you can just get. It takes many, many years. Anyone who studied and worked hard could learn it, but you would have to do it on your own. But that's not what's in the making of Star Wars book. It says, it is said that certain creatures are born with a higher awareness of the Force than humans. Their brains are different. They have more midichlorians in their cells. <laughs> Which, it makes sense why he would want to add that, because that's kind of like where his thoughts are now. I mean, he did say in 77 their brains are different. And now, with you know, 30, 40 years of, of thinking about it, he figured out why their brains are different. They have more midichlorians in their cells. And like we've kind of got into in the in the human Jabba episode, it's like the story of the making of Star Wars is as much a story that George Lucas wants to be interesting as the movie itself. So there's creative license in the making of as well as the, the actual films themselves. It's always changing. Yeah. <laughs> what what was there originally? What wasn't there? I don't know. All that matters is the journey. <laughs> but you know, the thing too that when when I when I reread this this Rinsler Starwars.com.com article, it was kind of when Ahsoka was on TV. And I was kind of like, huh. Because I was thinking a lot with all of this, what 
Lucas is saying, what Rinsler is saying, the idea of midichlorians with Sabine's journey in that show, with Sabine training and Sabine not being a Jedi and them telling you about it over and over again. What Hugh Yang says, she has the most least aptitude ever of any Jedi he's ever seen in the past like billion years that Hugh Yang's been around. But she was still at the end of the show to save or to help Ezra able to tap into this mystical energy field. And you know, Dave Filoni knows and loves midichlorians, but also you can be anybody. You can have, you can be, not be a Jedi. You could, you don't have to be Luke Skywalker or Yoda or An- Anakin Skywalker or Kayati Mundi. And you can still tap into the force if you train your mind and you learn to focus and a little push of emotion doesn't hurt. And I, and I started thinking about that and I was just like, that's still really, really cool. Yeah. Well, and it's like anything else where just because some things come easier to some people doesn't mean that other people can't do them. There's no reason that being a Jedi or the force should be any different that you got to put in the work and some people have to put in more work and Sabine had to put in maybe the most work, but you know, if you're persistent and you keep at it, you can do it. And it's not always fair, but it's just how it is that some people are just naturally better at certain things, but that doesn't mean you can't make up for that with hard work, which is really, if you go back before midichlorians, it's kind of how it's always been in, at least in star Wars. Cause I think that's the fun thing, like reading that paragraph, you know, and knowing the the extra line that Lucas added, it doesn't change the meaning of anything else in that paragraph. It just has like one more layer of explanation to it, which is kind of how they've all, it, it's been since Phantom Menace. It's like, it doesn't really change anything. It's just another level of explanation that you can care about or not, but it doesn't change anything. The Force is still the Force. It is still a mystical energy field. Sabine's midichlorian count it could be zero. <laughs> she could have one. Well, she has one in each cell, at least, according to Lucas. But she was able to tap into that, just as still, like like Rinsler saying, like people that left the theater in 1977 saying, thinking, like, God, I could tap into the Force if Luke Skywalker could do it. You, yeah, that's still a thing. And I think that the fact that that was brought back in the Ahsoka show, a show, you know, dealing with, you know, the name of the show is Ahsoka, a very powerful Jedi, a a show dealing with a lot of crazy Jedi stuff. The fact that that story existed in there, which is very pure star Wars, kind of the Sabine Jedi story. I don't, I think that's really kind of cool. Yeah. Well, cause really at this point, it's our first, like, is it our first, like, just like normal person becoming a Jedi story? Because that may may have been how A New Hope started out. But by the end, we realized that Luke was coming from some pretty serious force business family. And Ray kind of ended up being coming from a, a pretty serious force business family that it's kind of cool with Sabina finally yeah, kind of getting just a person who worked really hard. You could maybe compare it to, to Ezra, but Ezra was more gifted in the force. Yeah. Like for Sabine kind of being someone wanting to know about the force. Yeah. That is not gifted with the force. It's really the first time I feel like that's ever happened. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, because it's almost like Ezra was kind of the the idea where he kind of could feel like something was different, but he didn't know what it was. Kind of like Ray. Yeah, where with Sabine, it, yeah, it was almost, it felt like, which is cool, that she just was training to be a Jedi because she wanted it. And it wasn't because she like felt the Force and, and didn't know what was happening. It was just, she just wanted it and tried to make it happen, and eventually it did. But meanwhile, George Lucas is still, wherever he is right now, he's still obsessed with cells and wills 
we did a whole episode back in 259 where the idea was that Melody Hobson was talking to an elementary school about serious stuff and out wandered George Lucas with his shirt untucked and a bunch of stuff in his pocket. And don't forget, she had to bring Lucas in to try to be cooler than uh, the previous presentation was like the race car driver guy. And she wanted to have somebody cooler than a race car driver. So she brought in the real life Yoda, her husband, George Lucas. And George, we love, we love, we love him. To, you know, we love him to death, but he, he started talking about cells and wills. and He likes what he likes. You only allow the life forms that can go through, um, you know, can fly through space and survive on all kinds of strange worlds are microorganisms. They're everywhere. And there are trillions of them. They outnumber uh, humans. And even in, you, in your body, there's more microorganisms than there are human cells. So you got to say, and that's where the idea of the secret, that's where the idea of the wills come from. The wills are microorganisms. And they help create the energy, which is what uh, mitochondria do, which are in your cells. That's the energy that makes your cells divide, which makes life and they feed on life that's what the force is the force is life so in the article Rinsler goes on to say though and this this is related that despite blood tests that show your aptitude learning the force is still like yoga or boxing you might be born more lithe or bigger or stronger but because we all have midichlorians in us we can all develop the force to lesser or greater extents in the world of Star Wars. And I think that's a really great way to kind of look at it. And again, the cool thing with the Ahsoka show existing and the fact that now we can tell these uh, stories, especially on Disney+, Plus, like this different way of telling Star Wars stories, these long-form Star Wars stories, that we're moving away from the Skywalker Family, Because when we tell stories in the Skywalker family, it's a story about family and bloodlines and in that blood are midichlorians and moving it like moving it away like characters like Balin and Shin. Like, okay, that's really interesting. Or even, yeah, like we said, Sabine having no anything and being able to use the force. But also we can't forget that. George Lucas, in his potential sequel film ideas, had a whole lot of crazy sell. And he was, you know, the famous quote that his idea for the sequel films were going to go into the microbiotic world. I think about that regularly. <laughs> Just trying to imagine it. The world, the world wasn't ready for it. In Paul Duncan's wonderful uh, Star Wars Archives book for the prequels, the red one, George Lucas, he's talking about midichlorians. The midichlorians started the birth process in Anakin's mother. The wills communicated the commands to the midichlorians, which activated the DNA, which germinated the egg. That's why Anakin doesn't have a father. He was, in a bizarre and metaphorical way, touched by God. But in this case, they happened to be one-celled animals. So... I guarantee you him and James Cameron talk about all this stuff. <laughs> like once a month, one of them calls the other one and they're talking. Because all this stuff is, all this is going to end up in Avatar. Like three more movies in Avatar, there's going to be macrobiotic. I mean, it's already kind of, might already be happening. We might, this might be in the next one. Yeah, those two, the real wild ones. Bless him, he's still thinking about it. I, you know... I don't blame Disney for kind of getting it and being like, I don't, I don't know if we can go here. Like, why don't, why don't we go in another direction? It's fine. it's fine. It all worked out fine. So in the end, everything we've learned here today, do midichlorians matter? Is it worth people that are still so mad about midichlorians? Do you think, do you think any of them would listen to this? And do you think any of them would change their mind? Like, I think at least we've come to the conclusion here with the, the wonderful help of J.W. Rinsler that midichlorians, like we said, there's just another bit of info, but it doesn't really change anything. Sometimes people just don't want to know how stuff works, Jason. 
And you just have to leave it at that. You have to agree to disagree. I would, I'd like to think that there's some people that once they understood it, were kind of, you know, we're okay with it. I don't necessarily want to know what's in a chicken McNugget, but chicken McNugget is tasty. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't mind knowing what's in it. I'll still eat it. (laughs) That's interesting. That's why it tastes so good. Hey, are there midichlorians in a chicken McNugget? According to George Lucas, yes. One, two, or three, maybe. But when you get that super tasty one, maybe it has thousands. I need to put it under a microscope. It's like they all kind of look the same, but this one tasted so much better. If you dip it in the right sauce, then it's touched by the wills. Yeah, yeah. The wills are the sauce packets, and the midichlorians are in the nuggets. And you mix it together, and everybody's getting pregnant. Lightsaber, each sold separately. As you move your lightsaber, the sound of the force moves with you. It can be a powerful friend. That is your first lesson. Learn it well. The force isn't my lightsaber. The force is in all things, even you, my young Jedi. The force lightsaber and new Yoda puppet, each sold separately from Kenner Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. What's up, Jason and Gabe? It's uh, Taylor Gray, uh, excuse me, Ezra Bridger here, Spectre 6, uh, reporting into Blast Points Podcast. Just wanted to say what's up, and uh, may the force be with you. See you guys. points too accurate for sand people only imperial stormtroopers are so precise guess what everybody apple podcast reviews it's a new brand new thing to talk about at the end of every episode when you get done listening to this episode if you listen on apple you should go over there and write something nice so other people can find blast points when they are looking for star wars podcasts and they'll be like oh hey they did an episode about midichlorians that sounds cool so help us out write something nice and if you listen on spotify All you got to do is leave a five-star review over there. And we don't just live inside your ears. We are also on the internet. And you can check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are on Facebook, check out our super chill group. (laughs) Search the World Wide Web for BlastPoints. And the website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, has the handy-dandy search feature where you can search for back episodes. You can try searching for midichlorians, but nothing might come up. Now that I think about it, this might be the only one. We're alive, but our episodes are not alive. <laughs> they do not have midichlorians. No. And we have the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we had our commentary for... The Mandalorian Season 3, The Convert, with Dr. Pershing. That was a good one. Pretty soon, we'll have our commentary for the next one with The Mandalorian Beach Party. And I think before the end of the year, we will have our commentary for Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny, which, by the time you're listening to this, is streaming on Disney+. Plus. But that wraps up number 383 here. Midichlorians, 
microscopic life forms. It's always a party when you're filled with millions of microscopic life forms. Every day is the your Palpatine and the in the uh, in the stadium of Sith cultists just going crazy whenever you do anything. You're walking up some stairs and your all your little microscopic buddies are cheering you on. You're eating nuggets, they're cheering you on. You're never alone with midichlorians. I'd like to think in that stadium on Exegol, there was one of those like mummy dudes or like Sith cultists that was selling Palpatine merch outside. I hope so. Little little Palpatine dolls. Like Palpatine's hood filled with ice cream. <laughs> they had hoodies. They had t-shirts. They're like, we're sold out of 2XL and small. We have everything else. So we've only got uh, like a couple more episodes left in the year. So there's some good stuff coming up. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. some of the things we've learned about cells. A cell is not flat. It has thickness. In most cells, there is a nucleus and a cell wall. All living cells are made up of protoplasm. That's where the idea of the wheels come from. We can know more about living things by understanding the importance of the living cell. May the force be with you! Let's stop it. Let's stop it right there.